Let's stand together. And I believe that uh, this, is, this is the last time we're going to talk about the book of Acts in this particular teaching. But um, I believe that God has something for this church to do. How many of you believe this church is on a mission? Well, if this church is on a mission, you are the church. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor. So I guess we're on a mission. Tell them. <laughs> We're all on a mission to do the things that God has given us to do. Um, my husband said an assignment. Whatever it is, God's called us to be ambassadors. And an ambassador uh, has their own place to live, a safe place now in the world we're in today. Those uh, places are not as safe as they used to be. But uh, housing is provided. Things are provided for those people uh, in the middle of a country that they have no authority in. They have a safe place. Everybody say safe place. And uh, in that place, they have full authority. And they're there as ambassadors to that nation, whatever it is. There are ambassadors in our nation today from other countries. And they're provided uh, immunity to our laws, to the things that we're in. Uh, we are in this world, but we are not of it. We are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to finish this tonight as to what God saw when he sent Jesus. And Jesus said, upon this rock of revelation of who he was, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Let's make this confession. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. You can be seated. And uh, I believe that the church that um, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, that's without spot or wrinkle, uh, has had a lot of things worked out in it, within it, by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit, so he could do a work on us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, having raised children and grandchildren, um, it's, it's just better when they make choices based on what's ruling their heart instead of me having to be the one to say, you have to do this, you need to do this, you should have done this. When they begin to make choices and decisions, how many of you have raised children? And when they get to that place where they start making quality decisions out of their own uh, heart, out of their own ability to reason and, and to think about what the situation is, and then they choose the right thing. You know, that's, that's a good place to see your children get to. And I know God wants us to do the same thing. He wants to see his children get in a position where we take the word of God, we take the promises of God, and we begin to do the things that God's called us to do. Not because somebody said we have to. How many of you have ever had someone say, well, you need to witness more? You know, if you're led by the Holy Spirit and you, the power of God is in you, nobody has to say you should witness more. You're already witnessing because it's in you. It's not something somebody imposes on you. And uh, I, I remember in the very beginning of my walk with the Lord, I happened to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost within two days. One day saved, the next day filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, didn't even know really what happened to me, except I wanted to tell everybody about what had happened in my life. And I had been in church. I had been the choir director. I'd been the church organist. I'd been all those things. I'd been in church all my life. But something changed. It was God wrote his law upon my heart. Everybody say, we have a law. It's an inward law, but we are ruled by the laws of God. But from the inside out. 
It says that in Hebrews, that he would write the laws upon the hearts of his people and they would love him. Everybody say love him. And that because they would love him and love people, they would be able to represent him as ambassadors, if you will, in the earth, in a world that is not under the control of the kingdom of God, a world that's under the control still of the ways of the enemy. How many of you would believe there's a lot of people following after the wrong thing today? The devil's been defeated by Jesus, but he still goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And without Jesus, without the power of the Holy Spirit, people have no uh, authority, no dominion over what is in the world. Only the church. Everybody say the church. And so we should obviously be different. So if somebody says, I think you're a fanatic, say, praise God, I thought you'd never notice. Instead of, oh, I better be quiet. You know, that's the way the church responds sometimes. Um, You know, Paul, we're going to talk about him tonight. We're talking about his journeys and who he was in the book of Acts. And and he was a person who had uh, really persecuted the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, he was a, uh, actually involved in murder where Stephen was concerned. It says he gave his consent. He himself talked about how he was in agreement with the things that were being done to persecute the people who believed in Jesus. So he wasn't a prime candidate for God to say, oh, let's pick him. And, you know, today you may be here and think, I don't know why God would ever pick me to be the example to anybody else. And, uh, and obviously for Kelly, that's true. But how many of you look at your life and think, well, I don't really see that I have a lot of credentials to be doing that. Uh, and, and I look at my life and I think I didn't have any credentials to be doing what we do today. However, everybody say, however, my credentials come from the spirit of God not from man. Now, it's good to get education. It's good to, you know, in, in, um, enlighten yourself to the truth and to be taught by people. Uh, in my situation, I didn't really even go to college. Uh, I, I married at 18. I never went to college. Uh, I didn't go to Bible school. I taught in Bible school, but I never went to a Bible school. My husband went through Bible school. It just depends on what God wants to do with you. And God directs every person's life differently. Paul had a real quick course in getting saved and put into the ministry. If you, we read about it in Acts the other day, when we, or a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Paul. In Acts chapter 9, he was confronted with the truth of the Spirit of God. And when he was confronted, he was then told what he would do for God. And at that time it says, and he immediately, everybody say immediately. He immediately changed from the persecutor to the prophesier of the goodness of God. Now, that didn't happen because Paul changed himself. That happened because God changed Paul. And so tonight, as we look at that, the first first week we talked about empowerment and being an influencer and how God, that was God's plan for the people of his church, that they would be empowered with the Holy Spirit, which we talked about in Acts 1, Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit, the people were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then after they were empowered, they began began to be an influence, so much so that the church began to grow, 3,000, then up to 5,000. So that influence is the power to change or affect someone or something. And so that's what they became. They were witness 
witnessing about who Jesus was. They weren't witnessing about who they were. They were witnessing, it says in the Bible, of the wondrous works of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a wondrous work. You might not have heard that before. But, you know, salvation is a wondrous work. I mean, how many of you remember the day you got saved? I mean, all you did was pray a prayer and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And a miracle took place. You know, sometimes people say, well, I just don't see enough miracles. Well, you are a miracle. Look in the mirror. Hallelujah. If you know Jesus, God did a miracle in your life. He transformed you instantly, instantly from being a heathen headed to hell to being a righteous, sanctified person that God had created. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. So when you get that revelation, and that's the kind of work God does And it's in the world, but it's done by the church, by the people of God. And then then we talked about teamwork and commitment, how, you know, God ordered and structured um, that church uh, through the apostles, how they began to appoint people to do certain jobs and other people to do other things so that that body as a whole could function and everybody would be taken care of. Uh, in their natural needs, but also spiritually through the leadership of the apostles. And so he ordered and structured it. Everybody worked as a team. And then Stephen's commitment, how commitment's a part of being a, uh, in this church, that, you know, we, we are committed. It says we lay down our life. Now, that doesn't mean every per- person is going to be beheaded or stoned, but there are people that ISIS just murdered not more than a week ago, and they were Christians. They were beheaded. They gave their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what went on back then is still going on today. You know, through media, we're able to know more about what goes on. And definitely it's increasing. And I encourage all of you to get in here and hear this next month's series that Pastor Bill will be preaching because I believe there is a coming storm. I believe the storm's already started But I believe God is encouraging the church to become who he called them to be. So when the storm comes, we will look different. And when people need help, they will come to those who are the church. I don't mean a building, although I believe we're going to get a building to house all these people. But I don't mean a building. I mean people. They're going to be looking for the people who have their trust and their confidence in a God who is able to deliver them able to save, able to heal. So um, that commitment is necessary in this church. Uh, We talked about last week, ordinary people doing extraordinary things and how we begin to see in the book of Acts, how people begin to participate in the things that God wanted to do along with um, Peter and John, Philip, James, John, all those that were there, they begin to participate in what was happening in the book of Acts. You know, when you get around people who are filled with the Holy Ghost and they are doing the works of the ministry, it just kind of gets on you. You know, if you hang with people, the Bible says, of like faith. You know, there's something about like faith. Everybody say like faith. And uh, these are people that are strange. Uh, They they are people that could be called a little fanatical. Uh, There are people who really believe Have you ever talked to someone and thought, man, they really believe? Well, hang out with them. 
because the way that gets in your life oftentimes is by hanging with those people. Who I am today has a lot to do with hanging out with Sharon Doherty, who was just here this last week, and being with her and traveling with her and uh, never knowing what she might do, but watching God. Everybody say, watching God. Honor her faith. And, and learning to have courage and step into those things. Well, you need to get yourself in a place where you're running with people who are of like faith. And, and so when we look in the book of Acts, those people ran together. You know, they ran together uh, in the morning, they ran together in the afternoon, and they ran together in the evening. Because it says they even had all things in common. They spent their evenings together. Now, you know, uh, I know you're not all looking to come live at my house every night, but... It's good to hang out with people of like faith. If we hang out with people who doubt and are in unbelief and, you know, well, let's just go do this. We're going to get in a position of having to make decisions we'd rather not have to make. We're gonna, so we need to, if we're going to witness to people, that's one thing. But just to hang out and to be in agreement, find those people that you can be in agreement with. Uh, Pastor Sharon called me yesterday in the afternoon and she said, I've been thinking about that building. She said, and I'm just calling to tell you, I am in agreement with you and Pastor Bill over that. You and Bill and I were in agreement. Now, I know we already agreed once, but we're agreeing again today. You and me. And I said, yes, we are. You know, when you hang with people like that, your expectation gets greater. And especially people who have lived it and walked it. And so I just say to you, uh, God has imparted to this church this weekend when she came. I told her yesterday, you know, what really blessed me the most is that we would love to take all of you to see what we saw in Tulsa for eight years and have you live through that. But, but of course, you can't do that. But I said, you came and imparted in three days vision. Everybody say vision. And you told us how God did it. You told us what God did, how he did it. And it, it's the book of Acts. Everybody say it's the book of Acts. Nothing's changed. It's the same God doing the same thing, just like Jesus said, yesterday, today, and forever. But if you hang out with people who are doubtful and unbelievers, and, and they're not thinking those kind of things. Now, again, I'm not talking about witnessing and spending time helping people develop into the things of God. But who are your friends? In the gospel, you will see that once Paul got connected to the things of God, he didn't go back and hang out with his Jewish friends that were killing and murdering Christians. In fact, even the Christians didn't want to hang out with him because they thought he was one of those people. And so it took him a while to break through and become a part of the in-group, so to speak. But once he got in, even there, though there were some disagreements along the way, especially over circumcision, which had to do with the old covenant and the new. And, you know, uh, he debated those things and talked with Peter. And then God showed up and showed Peter how it goes. And, you know, when God tells somebody, they get it a little bit better than when you tell them. But the, they, they got in agreement. And so if you look at chapter 13 of Acts, Paul begins to uh, move out in a ministry. And you'll, from there on through the whole book of Acts, it's about Paul. It's about Paul and Barnabas. It's about Paul and Silas. It's about Paul and Timothy and Silas. And it begun, begins to be um, the journeys of Paul. Now, in my Bible, there's actually three pictures of the journeys of Paul. And if you look at them, at those maps, it started out small. The next journey got a little bit further 
You know, he went into more places further away from Jerusalem. And then by the end, he's journeyed all the way into Macedonia. And of course, he ends up in Rome. But he traveled all over. And he did this. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere that he went. In uh, John Maxwell's Leadership Bible, he says, Paul is obviously the most influential leader of the new covenant. Once Jesus was in heaven, Paul was the one. Now, Peter had his place. John had his place, just like Brad shared earlier. John the Baptist had his place. But in the new covenant, Paul became the one through the epistles that he was given to write, the things that he saw. And that was God's idea. Everybody say God's idea. So you, you see in the, in the church, God uses all the gifts. But in the new covenant, Paul became the example for us as far as just a man who with all his failures still became the man God chose to put his anointing on and send him out. And no matter where he went, he brought the gospel of Jesus Christ. He brought the power of the Holy Spirit. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit. His life was a reflection of what Jesus said, when I'm gone, greater works will you do than I do because I go to be with the Father. So I just want to take you through a few scriptures, and then we're going to pray tonight for all of you. But it says in Acts 13, and if you'll uh, put that up on the screen, if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along. Um, Acts 13, 2 through 4. It says, now in the church there was at Antioch. Antioch was the, it was kind of like Tulsa to me when I read about it. It was the city where they sent out many, many people from that city to uh, declare the gospel. And so this is where this begins right now in the scripture that we're going to talk about. There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menin, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit always says what God is saying, not what people are saying. Um, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. In other words, they had a calling. My husband said earlier, an assignment. Everybody say an assignment. And so they were assigned to be together at this time. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Um, This is the beginning of the journey, but everybody say, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we recognize that. The church uh, that Jesus uh, brought about through his death and the church that he said would be built upon that rock of revelation of who he was and the gates of hell would not prevail against it is a church that's led by the Spirit. Everybody say, led by the Spirit. It's not a church... Now, there's nothing wrong with boards. We have boards in this church. But it's not a board-led church. It's a Holy Spirit-led church. And from the beginning when we started this church, it was set in the same order as the one in Tulsa where we were. There's a board. But uh, the vision of the church sets the precedent because it's the vision of the God for the church. And then, you know, we have a board of people on that board. Now, we never did anything unless the board was in agreement. Everybody say agreement. Because if you don't walk in agreement, 
then you're going to not be all hearing the same thing. And everybody say this, the Holy Spirit is not confused. So the church of, of Jesus is a church that's led by the Spirit of God, and they're led in unity and agreement. So Paul and Barnabas start this journey, and they're sent out by the Holy Spirit. Um, in verses 42 and 52 of this same chapter, it says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Paul began to preach all about Jesus. Now, the Jews weren't happy, but the Gentiles loved it. So now we have a conflict. And uh, the whole last part of Acts from 13 on is persecution and miracles. Persecution, miracles, persecution, miracles. And so uh, the, this church is not a church that everybody gets up every morning and everything's just wonderful, you know, and we're loved by everybody. And uh, everybody understands and is excited, you know, uh, even when Jesus uh, was in his ministry, people resisted him. People came against him. He even said in John 15, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So this church is not a church that's uh, a club of people who just, you know, float on a cloud and nothing ever happens that it alarms them or upsets them. And so uh, right away, the persecution began from the Jews. And it says, um, now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews... And devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came to hear the word of God. Now, here comes the problem. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Everybody say envy. And, and then contradicted, contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. But... Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it, judge yourselves unworthy. I think that's hilarious. Judge yourselves unworthy. In other words, you've decided, you know, you're not worthy to receive this. Well, we're just going to go give it to somebody else then. You know, he had a way of saying it like it was their decision to not choose Jesus, which it was. And then he says, At the unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we'll return to the Gentiles. And so for the Lord, for so the Lord has commanded us. Everybody say, the Lord said. The Lord said, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for the salvation, for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, glorified the word of God. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, believed the word of God, the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the region. Of course, the Jews were really stirred up. You know, now there's nothing worse, worse than stirred up religious people. You know, that's, 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 that's even worse than stirred up non-believers because all of us in the word of God, we all believe we've got truth. And uh, the Bible says we all have some truth, but everybody say the word is truth. And, and what happened here, Paul was assigned by God to take the word of God to the Gentiles. Uh, when Peter resisted him, God gave Peter that vision, and he ended up taking the word of God to Cornelius and his family, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and when the Jewish leaders came after Peter, then he said, well, who am I to say they can't have it if God said they can have it? You know, I think sometimes we get our laws of what man thinks instead of allowing God to be who he wants to be. And in this uh, word of God, in the, in the book of Acts, uh, God assigned Paul to uh, do what he did in the book of Acts. He assigned Peter to do what he did. 
What God wanted them to do was be in agreement with him, to be in agreement with him. And so it became now from here on out, it's the Jews versus Paul, the Jews that would not believe. Now, many Jews did believe. Many Jews were saved. Many Jews followed after the teaching of Paul about Jesus. But in this particular place, this is where it started stirring up. Then in 14, verse 1, it says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks. Now we have another grouping of people, the Greeks. They believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds. Therefore, they stayed there a long time speaking boldly of the Lord, in, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In other words, even though they were being resisted, God was still moving. You know, sometimes when we meet resistance, we just want to quit. How many of you have ever been there? Well, I'll just be quiet. But... We are not to be quiet unless God tells us to be quiet. We're to continue because in that, even though some may be resisting, God is, God is still working. He's still moving. And in uh, 14, 8 and 10, 8 through 10, it says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. And this man heard Paul and Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to believe, to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And the guy jumped up and began to walk. Everybody say, that's what the people of God do. It says he observed this man. He observed that he had faith. You know, excuse me. How many of you have ever talked to people? I got one. How many of you have ever talked to people? And you can tell the difference between someone who's uh, receiving what you're saying. And not receiving what you're saying. Um, you know, it, you still say it as long as God tells you to. But your expectation when you see them receiving is that you release into them what God's given you. Because that will bring to them what they have need of. Why? Because they wanted to receive. You know, I always go back to John chapter 1 where Jesus said, To as many as would receive. To them, he, he gave them, you know, the ability to be sons and daughters of God. Everybody say, you have to receive. Yeah. Don't we have to receive Jesus? I mean, you just don't wake up one day and you're saved. You have to make that choice. And so in this situation, they were willing to receive. And this man stood up and he was immediately made well. Um, in 19 and 20 of that same chapter, it says, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. Well, you know, Paul had changed places, but here came the people who didn't like him and didn't want him to be doing what he was doing. They stoned him and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Everybody say persecution. Now, I hope I never have to do this, but I was with my husband, excuse me, in Mexico. First mission trip, my husband said, um, he came to bed at night, and he said, now, Dwayne, the, the man whose base we were at, he wants to go to this village that they haven't been in a long time, and he wants to go tomorrow night, but we have to go after dark. I said, okay. And he said, well, the last people who were there, which was Gina Gaxiola. How many of you remember Gina? She came in. She used to take teenagers up in the mountains. He said, well, you know, the last ones that were there, which was her and a bunch of teenagers, 
They chased them out of town throwing stones. And they've not been back since. But he feels like now's the time. I thought, well, how about next week? Because I won't be here next week. And Bill said to me, it, we're going. I said, we are going? And he said, yes. I laid there and thought about that. Now there's geckos hanging all over the ceiling. I mean, this is my first trip. It's hot, so hot that you feel like you're going to melt. Just melt. I mean, even though there's no hot water, you can't wear makeup. Got on long skirts, you have to wear slips. You women know if you have to wear a slip and it's 100 degrees. You know, you just turn yourself into an inferno. Even the ice cold shower felt like it was 100 degrees. And so I'm laying there thinking, well, what else? And so I, I, I thought about that and I turned over and I said to Bill, well, just so you know, you'll have to answer to God if anything happens to me. I turned over and went to sleep. Well, we got up that hill. We had to go up a dry riverbed in the night, in the dark. We bounced all over. And, and once that we could see in the light, we were way on the edge of this mountain. And um, I remember saying, God, you know, I, I, we, need, we need you to watch over us here. And I remember hearing about Jesus where they were going to stone him. And Jesus said, don't worry. I won't let anything happen to you. I'll protect you. Well, Paul got stoned. He did get stoned. But then it says, however, when the disciples gathered him up, can you, okay, let's get up. We're going now. It's okay. Gathered him up and he rose up and went to the city. And the next day they left and went somewhere else. So obviously God restored him, even though he was stoned. So, you know, when we do what God tells us to do, uh, there's victory. That night we went into that village. We went into a tiny, tiny little room, which was, also very hot. I know when I stepped off the plane there, I said, this looks like heaven, but it feels like hell. <laughs> it was so hot. You couldn't, you immediately couldn't breathe. You went, because uh, it was so hot. And, and we were in this tiny little place with one light bulb and all these people crammed in there to receive from Jesus. They didn't care. And then when, and, and I sang and Bill preached and, and uh, we had a little tape recorder and play the songs and I'd sing them and God just ministered to those people. And when we got ready to leave, they gave us a bag of tortillas because that's all they had. But God was there. Everybody say God was there. We we're not afraid. Turn you ever say we're not afraid. You know, if, if God will always take care of us. And so in this situation, even though these things happened, he just continued to go on further. He ended up with the Jew Jerusalem council with the religious leaders having to defend about circumcision. He ended up in, um, in a situation. I want to look at Acts 16 because we'll run out of time, but Acts 16, 6. And this is so important because when the Holy Spirit is leading, sometimes you think you're going this way. And then he says, go this way. It's not that he's confused. It's that sometimes I believe there's things that God sees. And so he has to divert that plan for another time or change direction. We have to be sensitive. Everybody say sensitive and not be stubborn in what we try to do. And so it says here, now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, that's not when you say, well, that's the devil. That's the devil telling me I'm not supposed to go to. After all, everybody should hear the gospel. I want to tell you, sometimes God will say to you, don't do that. Don't go there. 
and you can't say, get behind me, Satan. Because you know that even though I'm sure that Paul was headed that direction, but it said they were forbidden to go. In other words, God told them, no, you're not going there. Then after that, they came to Mycenae. They tried to go to Bethania, but the spirit did not permit them. It's not that we don't know why they don't give an explanation with the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't keep asking why. You just do what the Holy Spirit says. And Paul was an example of that. And then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood, pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he'd seen this vision, immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. Then he, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. God knows where he wants us to go. He knows when he wants us to be there. And God's timing is perfect. So God, you know, may have sent Paul. I, I don't know. I haven't studied all this, but he may have gone back through those places on his way back to where he was before. But he didn't go then because the Holy Spirit said no. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit say no? I have. I have had God say, don't do that. And, you know, there's oftentimes we think, but it's, it, it would be your word to do that because that's what the word says to do. But he says, don't do it. Everybody say, obey the Holy Spirit. This church obeys the Holy Spirit of God. And then they end up in jail. Of course, you know that story. Uh, because they continued to preach. And they tried to cast the devil out of a, uh, uh, a girl that brought people money. And so there, uh, there rose a big contention over that. Then they ended up in jail. They ended up beating, beating them so badly that, that they're lying in the jail. And what did they decide to do? Well, let's just sing. How many of you feel like singing? Now, I know none of you have maybe been beat up like physically, but how many of you have ever been through enough to think, I feel like I've been beaten? And, and how many of you just stand up and sing the Lord's Prayer right there? Or uh, hallelujah, you know, or some song. You know, that's, that's not when you feel like singing. But they begin to sing, and their praise brought the power of God into that place. An earthquake happened, and God opened all the doors of that jail. Not only did they get freed, but the jailer ended up receiving the Lord. And he was promised that his whole family would receive Jesus. So in the midst of some of the worst circumstances that Paul faced, mighty things happened, not just for him, but for other people too. And that's what happens in the church. Um, I love uh, chapter 17, just this one place. It's in uh, verse 6. It, it, they come in, the Jews are hunting for them, and they come into this Jason's house. And um, it says, but when they did not find him, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of their city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Everybody say, that's a good thing. You know, that's the turning the world upside down is simply saying they are changing the way we do things. They're changing the way things are done. And that's what the church is supposed to do. Uh, in, in the church of Corinth, um, God spoke to him when he went there, and that's in chapter 18. And uh, he began to speak to the Corinthians, and uh, I was threatened, and God said, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. Verse 9 of chapter 18. For I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And they continue to, to teach the word of God there. 
uh, in, in Ephesus. They also taught the word of God. Um, many people received the Holy Spirit. And in verse 11, it says, now God worked unusual miracles. Everybody say unusual miracles by Paul. So much so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them just because he had touched something when they placed that garment the people were delivered the power of god is not limited to what we think the power of god is mighty to save to heal and to deliver and so if you study paul all through the book of acts you will see where there were miracles and the word of god grew and there was persecution and the word of god grew and then there were miracles and that's you know, that's just a, a church that's doing business for God. It's to be expected. Turn your neighbor and say, it's to be expected. Now, for some of you, this will be um, important to know because when you stand up for Jesus, you will be attacked. And a lot of times, Christians are not fighting the good fight of faith. Paul said when it was all over, I fought the good fight of faith. What did that mean? He had to fight the fight of faith. He had to believe what God called him to do, and he never turned back. He went straight ahead. When you get to chapter 20, to all the way from 20, 21, 22, all the way to the end, he, he really began to suffer great persecution. But in chapter 20, he speaks of his own future, and he tells them what is going to happen. And uh, he says in verse 22 of chapter 20, And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. He didn't say bound by man. He said, bound in the spirit. In other words, he goes because he's obeying God, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except, everybody say except, except. that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. And, and, and that's exactly what happened. But none of these things move me. Pastor Sharon shared this on Sunday. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. You know, you will not be joyful if you're persecuted, if you don't know why you're persecuted. But if you're following the will of God and the plan of God, the fact that you're obeying him brings great joy, even in the midst of the hardest situation. And he says, um, which, uh, and the account, uh, see, I do not count, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus. That was what God called him to do. If you remember back, uh, the Lord said to Ananias, I want you to go to Paul and I want you to tell him the things that he must suffer for me to fulfill the call that I have on his life. And, uh, you know, suffering isn't always uh, that it's painful or, you know, it's, it's just that you're going to walk through things that are unusual, things that you've not walked through before where you have to exercise your faith and stand and press through, like Paul said, I press on to those things. So that's just a part of being in the body of Christ. Um, the, Paul was warned in chapter 21. He was warned by a prophetic word. A man bound him up and said, this is what's going to happen. And this was his response, which I think is what all of us need to respond in those situations. When, when he was bound, it says, now when they heard these things, verse 12, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Don't go. And what he says, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm not, I am ready not only to be bound, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And of course he didn't, 
he went through several court hearings and he testified to what God had done in his life. You read about that in the last of Acts. And as he testified about who Jesus was and who Jesus meant to him, his final words to King Agrippa were, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. Everybody say heavenly vision. And that, that of course, wasn't the end. He did get shipped on and the ship shipwrecked and all of that. But I want to read the very last of Acts chapter 28, and then we'll close. It says in verse 28 of 28, Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had heard these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. But Paul continued, even in a rented house in Rome, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So everything that God had told him happened in his life. And through all those things that he faced, I believe the, the key word he said was, and I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. You know, um, Pastor Sharon shared this when she was here, and I thought it was interesting because we were going to be finishing this, but it says in 1 John four seventeen uh, that as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Uh, the book of Acts is an example of as he is, as they had seen him, so he was through them in the book of Acts. So that we would not just see in the Gospels what Jesus could do, even though he was a man sent by God to reveal the truth of who God was and who we could be. But then we have the book of Acts to show that ordinary people continue that ministry. There is no reason why we cannot continue to do what God has given us to do in the earth and not be fearful, but to say, I will not be disobedient to that heavenly vision because as he is, so am I in this world. And then um, for Second Corinthians 5.17, you need to read through there. It says you're a new creation. You become an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and it's due to the righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus. It's not due to who you are. Paul's ability to accomplish what he accomplished in the book of Acts, even Peter, who had de denied Christ, all that you see in the book of Acts was not about those people. It was about what Jesus had done, and it was his righteousness working in them that brought about those things that you see. And... Um, of course, John 14, which says, because I go to the Father, now greater things will you do than I did. And those things are what we see in the book of Acts. So I encourage you, you know, my, when my husband starts teaching this next month on uh, the coming storm, um, I've, I've, I said in the beginning of this, I've never really had the Lord say, go through the book of Acts with the people. But I'm, I fully believe that for what we're going to hear in the coming storm, you first have to know who you are. You have to know the church that you've been appointed to be. You have to know how you're equipped because of the Holy Spirit of God. And I know my husband will talk more about that. But the next four weeks are very critical to, I believe, this church and churches around the world. It's being taught all over the world. In fact, um, Pastor Sharon, other leaders have said, you must be teaching your people about the end times. You must be teaching them about what's happening so that they are not fearful. When I was in this place today where I get my nails done, this lady said, well, you know, 
I don't even like to watch the news anymore. I mean, you know, it just upsets you. So, you know, I just, I just like things to be nice. And, you know, people who just like things to be nice, they're not going to be able to walk this out because things are not nice. I mean, if you turn on the television set now, even at night you hear, and she was talking about all the Christians that were killed by ISIS and how now they've captured, they've captured more Christians. And she said, you know what's going to happen to them? Well, I'm just not going to turn on the TV because I don't want to hear about all that. Well, I don't like to hear about it, but I intensify my prayers for what God shows me to do. That's what we all need to do. But if you don't believe you're the church of the book of Acts, if you don't believe you have any power, you're not going to do anything. But if you believe you're a powerful church, that you're a part of a powerful church, that you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power of God on the side of you. When Jesus began his ministry, he went to John the Baptist. He didn't go to be water baptized. He went into that water, and when he came up, he was endued with power by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and John the Baptist said... He baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that's why we entitled this church, the church that's on fire. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is on fire. That is, I mean, we are enthusiastic, you know, the violent take it by force. But more than that, we are on fire because of the spirit that lives on the inside of us. So we are always ready to do whatever God asks us to do. Amen. Let's stand. Father, I thank you tonight for every person here. I thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that resides in us. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God that gives us the ability to pray and, and pray in a language that we don't even know what we're saying sometimes. But you have even given us the grace to get the interpretation of that, that we begin to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and what you have supplied for, for us from heaven. I thank you, Lord, that those that are here tonight that have never um, maybe given Jesus um, the opportunity to take over their life. You know, um, I said earlier, I was, I was in the church all my life, but I was 30 when I said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Take over my life when I got saved. And then the next day filled with the Holy Spirit. I was, I had always been in the church and I'd always known about Jesus, but I never really knew Jesus till I made that decision. And once I said, and, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I just said, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I'll never forget that ever. I know exactly where I was, the table I was at, the woman that was there leading me to Jesus didn't really, you know, feel anything. Lightning didn't, you know, go off and thunder. Just, I just prayed a prayer and everything changed. If you're here tonight and you've never experienced that, if you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, you're just hoping you're going to heaven or you, you've been doing pretty good. So you're thinking maybe that'll get you to heaven. Those things don't get you there. The Bible says that you have a knowing in your heart that you're saved because the Holy Spirit bears witness in your heart. And if that's you tonight and you're here and you want to make that decision tonight, you want to make sure where you're going to spend eternity. And you want to invite Jesus to take control of your life, give him your heart. Or maybe you've walked away from him and you just need to come back. And that's why even maybe you came tonight. It was just to make things right. 
if you would say yes that's me to either one of those calls would you lift your hand I want to pray for you before we go we don't want anybody to ever leave this church not assured of their salvation knowing without a doubt not that anything is going to happen to you but if it did you would immediately be in the presence of God because that's what the word of God says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord anybody here then I'd just like you to make this confession with me, those of you that are here tonight. Um, I believe that God is calling us. I believe he sent Pastor Sharon. I believe this teaching on the book of Acts. I believe every message we've heard over the past few months are preparing us to be that awesome church that God has called for the last day. You may be here tonight and say, wow, my life, I mean, I don't know who's going to follow me because I don't know where I'm going part of the time. I can tell you when I got saved, I didn't know where I was going. But people followed me just to find out if I did know where I was going. And then they got what I had. And so you don't have to be a, a theologian to be a light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just have to be a believer. You just have to be a believer and begin to let God do what he wants to do. So would you just pray with this if it's in your heart tonight? Father thank you you have provided everything I need for me to live and move and have my being in you and for me to be a light for me to be an example for me to be ready to minister whatever's necessary to whoever I meet and so I ask you that by your spirit you would continue to give me revelation of what I need to be doing right now, not in five years, not in another year, not, not um, what maybe I want to do, but what you want me to do so that I can see your spirit move, not just in my life, but in the life of those you've put in my path, that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified in all that I do. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray for all of you before you go tonight. If you're here tonight and uh, you need discernment in a situation, you know, the Bible says he's given us discernment. And we'll close after this. But you need discernment in a situation to know what God's saying to do. You've had plenty of input from other people. But you need to know what is God saying to me just like Paul had to hear from the Holy Spirit. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you tonight. Over here, back here. Father, I thank you. Now, you keep your hands up. Believers, open your eyes, put your hands on those people because it's very important. Now, I just want to say to you, timing is an issue in discerning the will of God. Um, setting aside what people think is necessary to discern exactly what the Spirit of God is saying. People confirm to you once you know. They don't tell you what you need to know. And so, Lord, right now, I pray for those whose hands are up that they will hear clearly, just like Paul, just like Peter, just like those in the book of Acts. They heard clearly. They discerned and perceived exactly what was necessary to do. They not only discerned, but they understood how to do what it was that you were speaking for them to do. And I thank you that those that have lifted their hand, they are going to begin to hear clearly 
clearly and discern rightly what you are speaking to them, not what people are saying, not what situations warrant. Maybe there's, maybe everything looks right, but in your heart, you discern it isn't. Then don't do it. In Jesus' name, be strong in the Lord. Stand firm. Maybe everybody says, you sh- this, this, isn't for, this isn't for you. This isn't for you. You listen to the Holy Spirit and obey what the Holy Spirit says. And then I pray that you will have confirmation from somebody that you respect, either from the Word of God, from the Holy Spirit, from another person that you know that hears from the Word of God. And it will confirm in your heart what you're hearing so that you have confidence that you have really discerned and know without a doubt this is God. And that then you would step out and do it right away. Don't think about it and meditate on it once you know what to do do it in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen we'll give God praise tell somebody beside you you're a walking miracle we hope this message encouraged you Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus learn more about us at victorylafayette.org if you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.